July, y'all. Happy 4th. I'm Kathy Connor. I'm one of the pastors at First Pres, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's celebrate and thank God for his gift to us of freedom as a nation. Let's also remember that spiritual freedom can only be found in Jesus. So let's sing it. Let's pray it. Let's trust together that Jesus is eager to set you free from anything and everything that is weighing you down. And if you're new to First Pres, welcome. We want you to know that we are here to serve you in any way that we can. At First Pres, we're about building real relationships with each other and with God. And when that happens, we believe that real transformation begins to take place in every aspect of our lives. If you would, kindly fill out the Connect card. You can access it by scanning this QR code. It will take you directly to the card. You can find it on our website after worship. You can find a card in the pews as well. But all of this will enable us to connect with you, pray for you, serve you, and help you navigate getting into a life group and so much more. For those of you online, this is the perfect moment to grab cookies, crackers, juice, water, milk, coffee. It doesn't matter. Grab whatever you can so that we can share in communion together later this morning. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, as we just sang, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Lord, you're the only place, the only one who can truly set us free. And we know that we need it. We know that there are places in our lives where we feel enslaved. Places where we are perhaps even in bondage. 
maybe it's just a difficulty that we're trying to deal with, Lord, but we just don't feel free from it. And we know that you are the way and the truth and the life where freedom happens. You're the reason that we enjoy freedom as a nation. We know this came from you as a gift and that you gifted men and women to lead us and continue to lead us in that independence that we enjoy and that what we want this for the whole world, Lord. It's not just for us. So I thank you for the brave men and women who have protected us and led us into this freedom in your name, giving you glory. Lord, let us be a beacon of hope to the world and to help set nations free that are not. Set people free that are not. Oh God, use us as individuals to bring hope to people who feel locked down, forgotten, anything but free. Lord, we also think of our friends and loved ones who are struggling due to illness or grief or loneliness. Lord, would you, the great physician, enter in and just take over and heal? We're counting on you for that, Lord, boldly asking for your healing over Jackie Faircloth. God, I'm asking you to wrap your loving arms and bring healing grace to the Baldy family in the loss of their treasured mother, grandmother, Joanne Baldy this week. A city treasure, someone who loved you dearly and who now is forever in your loving arms. We give you thanks for her life. Lord, in silent prayer, we now lift up to you those we know who don't know the freedom of being in a relationship with you and are kind of lost or hurt or afraid, we place them into your loving hands right now. Thank you, God. Thank you that we can bring them to you so tenderly, confidently knowing that you are already at work in their lives. Oh, Lord, set us free. Set us all free by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. I have the privilege of telling you about some cool stuff. Vacation Bible School begins on Monday, July 12th. And our director of children's ministry, Rachel Godin, has given me the privilege of asking you if you would be willing to serve and love children by coming alongside her that week. Very specifically, she needs three adults for Tuesday and Thursday. She needs two adults for Wednesday and Friday. And she needs a tech person Monday through Friday. And this individual can be as young as 13, 13 and older. So pray about it, think about it, and if the Lord is nudging you, let Rachel know or let one of us know this morning. It's also true that God has had us on a big, bold journey of faith in this church move. So let's continue to demonstrate our trust in Jesus by praying together every single day at 7.07 a.m. and p.m., 
but let's also demonstrate our complete dependence on him as he leads us by fasting together. We fast on the first Wednesday of every month, and this month, it happens to be this coming Wednesday. And in those moments when you've skipped your breakfast and lunch or coffee or anything you're willing to fast from, think of it this way. Lord, I'm hungry right now, really, really, really hungry. But God, I'm hungrier for you. I'm hungrier for you to lead us as a church. I'm hungrier, God, for you to lead me in my life. I'm hungry to hear from you. It's a great moment for you and I to have. I encourage you to test it out if you haven't done so before. One of the most powerful ways that we can connect our hearts to God is when he leads us to be generous, to be generous with everything that he has so generously given to us. And because of you, several children from low-income families are going to be able to participate in our Vacation Bible School. These are children that live just blocks from this church near Nebraska Avenue. And because of you, there is great joy in heaven as each little one is going to hear that they are precious and treasured by Jesus Christ. So here are five ways that you can give back to God with your blessings. God bless you.
shine upon me and be gracious to you. And Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. 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 It's called, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And it is a perfect reminder of where we put our trust, where we put our faith. On this 4th of July weekend, we are reminded of our freedom and, and the privilege that we have. But we are also reminded, even when we look at our own currency, who we put our trust in. It's not, we do not put our trust in man. We don't put our trust in the currency itself our trust in God. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks about where we put our trust. It is in Christ that we find our freedom. It is in Christ that we find forgiveness. It is in Christ that we are made whole. And this song is just a great reminder of that. So I hope that you soak it in.
How about that? We're looking, obviously, at the American flag. Several of you may be decorated thusly. I am. And I wanted to take a second to talk about this flag. You've, several of us have mentioned already something about freedom and about Jesus and all that. And I just want to throw a couple of things out as we think about God's great call for us to live lives that are onward and upward. And let's do this. Let's put this into the context already suggested by Kathy that we as American Christians serve a great good God. So here's what we celebrate. Several things you could add to the list, but I'm thinking we're talking about freedom. We're talking about equality. And we're talking about authority. 
all of those things are gifts from God. And we have learned in our 245 years, I think today is our 245th birthday, we've learned that we were made in God's image. This was a long time ago when God started telling us we were made in his image. And out of that comes human dignity, which means freedom. And out of that comes equality, which means we, we are all worth the same to God and to each other. And then the, the idea of authority, maybe you hadn't thought about this before, but all authority belongs to God and it comes from God. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. And so even authority itself is a gift from God. And you know what we are? Of all of these things, we're stewards of them. That's what you and I are as Christian Americans. We're stewards of freedom, of equality, of authority. And we're given these gifts. And when we do them well, we make God look good. And that's how, that's how we should be thinking about what it means to be citizens of this realm. And so God's great purposes friends are served when we do freedom well, when we do equality well, when we live and justly administer the authority that belongs ultimately to God. That's when we're getting it. And we learn all of these things, not from stuff we make up, but from the scriptures that are given to us, which are God's word. All of what scripture has taught us results in human beings figuring out for 245 years, how do we do freedom right? A few ways for you and me to understand what this is all about. Be a good citizen of this realm because that makes you a good citizen of the realm of the king of the universe. Our ability to be free people as Americans makes us more able to serve the almighty God of the universe. We want to be people that do it and do it well because we're being called to live onward and upward even when it looks like things are going downward and backward. So let's do this. I'm about to carefully pass this flag off to Bryce, who's going to take it back to where it stands over there. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to take our minds and our hearts, and we're going to worship God, and we're free to do it. But we don't take the freedom for granted. We are citizens of the realm of the United States of America, but we're also citizens of an even bigger realm. It's the realm of the kingdom of God that goes on forever. So let's watch how this story plays out that we're in the middle of, of someone who, pre, who is our forebear in faith, learning to live freedom, equality, and authority. And we, of course, are talking about Joseph. We're talking about this guy named Joe, and I want to remind you of him a little bit. Joseph is a figure that we've been following, and here's the way it worked. A long time ago... God had in his mind to bless the human race because we had messed it up. And he says, I don't give up on them. Nothing can thwart the purposes of God. Nothing. So God says, there's this man named Abraham. He lives somewhere about where Iran and Iraq are today. His name was Abram. He says, dude, you're going to go to work for me. And you're leaving here. You don't know where you're going. I'm going to give you a land, and you're going there, and you're going to make a big family. And I'm going to use your big family to bless every family on the earth, every human being on the planet. And we've used the term bless over and over again. So let me define it for us. Just one way of thinking about blessing. Blessing means God is present and that God shapes every aspect of our existence, of our life, every relationship. 
So that's what it means to be blessed. God is present and God is making and shaping everything about who we are. And God says to Abraham, I'm going to do all of that through your family. Well, he was an old man and his wife was old. He had no children. But he trusts God. He has a son. Abraham has Isaac. And Isaac has Jacob. And Jacob has 12 kids. And the 11th is a fellow named Joe, Joseph. And that's who we've been watching. Now, the other thing I wanted to remind you about Joseph is he's been, he's an outstanding, stunningly gifted leader. And he trusts God and uses all his gifts and abilities. He has integrity. He's hardworking. He's faithful and trustworthy. He, he never capitulates in his life's journey to the to choices he could have, could have taken, which would have had him not, not be in God's plan for him anymore. He keeps going onward and upward. However, man, it looks like downward and backward for Joseph because twice, though Joseph does all the right things, Joseph is betrayed, captured, and imprisoned. And we catch him today in the second of those. He's in the slammer because he was accused, that he was innocent, he was accused by his boss's wife of attempted rape. She complains to her husband, husband believes her, Husband's a big shot in the Pharaohs and the king Pharaoh, his 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 um, administration, and so the Potiphar is the man's name. Believes his wife, tosses Joseph in the slammer. That's where he is today. We pick up with Joseph in the big house, and the question we want to ask as we watch is: Is God here? Do I trust Him? I'm waiting. How do I go about waiting? When it, just look, when it just looks downward and backward, not onward and upward. And once again, faithful Joe finds himself in a pit. But this time it's a prison. We're going to read Genesis chapter 39, beginning with verse 21, and jump over and read Genesis chapter 40. Here we go. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed Joseph his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with Joseph and caused everything he did to succeed. Sometime later, Pharaoh, who is the king of Egypt, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker, offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials. Don't make the king angry. And he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? Joseph asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So, 
The chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed them into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is, this is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me. Do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Don't go into baking as a business. The birds will come and peck away at your flesh. How y'all feeling right now? Good? But Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted the dream. Watch this last line, downward and backward. The Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. What a story. He's been betrayed captured and imprisoned now for a second time while in prison because of his skill his gift his unbelievable leadership his trustworthiness his faithfulness his integrity the person running the prison the chief warden puts him in charge of the whole prison he takes care of everybody in the prison and it administers his responsibility faithfully knowing that he doesn't deserve to be there so somehow while he's waiting for fairness, for rightness, for God, he still employs all his gifts and talents and does good work in the prison. And he's willing to say on God's behalf, a dream in this culture was understood to be divine communication. A dream in this ancient culture was an, an understood to be divine, full of God's meaning. And you say to yourself, I, no, we don't do that today, but they do in Africa. Kathy's colleagues in Africa, right now today, when they're together in conferences and meetings and working together, oftentimes they will say in the mornings, did God speak to you in your dreams last night? 
So you and I, don't, don't look down your scientific nose, I say this to myself, and think that somehow that's, that's muckety-muck. It's not. I believe that God still communicates to people through dreams, and I, not to be turned into fantasy world here, but don't not listen. The world is way bigger than our limited understanding of it. So allow this story to allow you to maybe even hear something from God in your dream. You always test it with others as Joseph did. And remember what happened, what Joseph said ended up being the case. The cupbearer and the baker, by the way, were probably people who tasted and drank from anything that was about to go to the king. They were close to the king. So if it was poison, they fall over dead and the king lives. And that's probably their primary job. So the cupbearer is restored to his position as drinking whatever's going to be given to the king right before the king gets his portion. But the baker, who knows what he had done? That dude, when he's in prison, he knows, I, you know, I had a dream too, and he's hoping maybe whatever he had done wrong is going to get overlooked. He was looking for some way out, but apparently not. So don't be a baker of the king because you're going to get yourself impaled and they're not even going to get buried. They're going to throw your body out on the ground, and the animals are going to come and eat your flesh. It's a grisly scene, but Joseph remains faithful. Joseph, by the way, knows that his life could have ended up like the baker's. He knows there's nothing about this culture that makes him special. He's waiting. When? When, God, am I going to get out of this mess I'm in? It's really important that we understand that it's not always clear what it means to keep moving forward to keep moving onward and for us to find ourselves upward which is to say find ourselves in the middle of God's bigger purpose because upward means we're thinking about God's big purpose and really importantly our part in it and remember the part in it for us hasn't changed blessing Abraham through you and through your family, every nation of the earth is going to be blessed. Abraham, that's your job description. And guess what? That's what you and I do too. All of what we are given is a gift that we pay forward. We give it away. If it sits inside of you, it rots. You have to share it. I have to share it. You have been called with me as sons and daughters of our forebear Abraham to be people who are a part of God's big purpose, which is to put the whole universe back together again, all relationships made right. Right now, today, we start. There's a word for all of that, by the way. It's a word we haven't talked about. I'm going to add it to blessing. Today, I want to talk about eternity. Let's talk about eternity. Did you know that Jesus told you and me to think about eternity every time we do anything? Did you know that? Eternity, what does that mean? Sometimes you may think, well, that means heaven. It means living forever. And you're right. It means being in God's presence forever. As an individual, in some way, even with a body. Remember, Jesus had a body after the resurrection. We live forever somehow bodily. Who knows? It's way bigger than science can explain. It's supernatural. It's more than just natural. And so we live forever. That's heaven. And Jesus said, I want you always thinking about heaven. You, you didn't know that you were doing it, but when you pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father in the Old English, who is in heaven, who art in heaven, may your name be holy, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Make your kingdom come, Lord. That's the backdrop of all of our life. It's forever. And you know what? When you start adding that into the way you look at things, you put 
forever classes on and read everything about your life, read the scripture, and you'd be thinking about eternal, it changes your decisions. It changes your decisions today, next week, next year. Everything about forever makes a big difference when we allow God to use the forever perspective on our everyday life. And look at Joseph. Somehow, he knows that God can be trusted. And there's absolutely no light in his life. He's in prison. He doesn't belong to be there. He could end up impaled. Pharaoh has a bad day, gets mad, just whack a couple of them for me and make me feel better. That's the way it was. He knows that. He wants out. And notice he tells the cupbearer, "When I, you owe me one, dude. Rem- tell the Pharaoh about me. I don't belong in here. And the poignant, powerful end of the chapter line, the cupbearer thought nothing about him. And what, what God wants you and me to do with that text, with this story, he wants us to sit right down in the middle of feeling like we've been forgotten. Because you may, have been, you may feel that right now or somebody you care about. And here's what we do when, we've, when we feel like we've been forgotten. We have an eternal perspective. We trust in the character and goodness of God. And you know what we do? We wait. Oh, there's lots of waiting in Scripture. How long? Over and over again. God's people. How long? Are you there? And of course, God is there. But here's what we would be quick to do, you and I. We'd be quick to say, in the middle of the question, what what is all this about? We'd be quick to try to get God to do what we want God to do. But that's not how it works. We don't don't say, hey, God, I want you to do what me. It's not like us trying to get God to be a part of our story. No, that's not it at all. We're trying to see how we fit into God's story. And I don't know about you, but I would quickly impose what I want next. Waiting. It's, it's like a discipline. Here's two things we can do while we wait. You ready? The first thing you can do, if you feel betrayed, captured, imprisoned, If you feel some darkness, and if you don't now, you're certainly going to have it. It's not possible not to have it, not be a human being. One of the ways we can make waiting a spiritual experience is gratitude. It's a really great way of trusting God. So shaking your fist saying, how long at God, means you're still engaged. That's important. We wait as engaged people, and to make the waiting gain in understanding and meaning, you make a list, a gratitude list. And we've said this for two or three or four years. Here's what your, here's the assignment. However old you are, that many years, you have a list with you. I have it here in notes. You have a list with you of the things, people, whatever, for which you're thankful. And you simply get your list out and start working your way through it. And then what happens is you remember, man, it's dark now, but God was faithful then. And you begin to connect the dots of your life, and gratitude releases it. Gratitude operationalizes it. Gratitude monetizes it. That's one of the things that we can do when we wait. There's another really, really important thing we can do when we wait, particularly when we think something is in our life that's not fair. 
Joseph has every right to be bitter and resentful. But guess what good hard work while he waits, guess what good hard work he also does? Forgives. So when you leave here today, this table reminding us that we are both have that both we have a great deal about which we can be grateful but secondly forgiveness is a central operating principle in a life of trusting Jesus forever eternally go to work on forgiveness we've in this series talked about it's it's be better not bitter so resentment you know what resentment does it poisons you it poisons me it's like taking poison, drinking this. I'm going to drink this poison and make Bryce sick. <laughs> Doesn't work. The only person who suffers when we're resentful is me. Now, the person who has wronged you may never tell you that they wronged you. They may never apologize. You know what? You still have to forgive. Because why? Principally because you've been forgiven. But secondly, just practically speaking, you poison yourself if you hold on to it. So here's Joseph in prison, working hard, earning the favor of the man who runs the whole prison system, the warden, doing a good job. And yet he's lamenting to the cupbearer, hey, dude, you got to help me out. I don't belong in here. I didn't do anything wrong. And the guy forgets him. So Joseph has, right here in this particular part of his life, he already has a big pile of people who he has to forgive. His, his ten older brothers, his little brother wasn't in on the deal that got him in trouble the first time. They didn't, his, his older brothers, ten of them betrayed him. He, he has every reason to feel, be filled with fury and hatred. They sold him off, and he's no longer in his country, Israel. He's way south in Egypt. Had to learn a new language. He has every right to be bitter with them. Now... He gets accused of rape by this woman who is the wife of his boss. He has every reason to be furious with her. And, and then he helps a dude out in the prison, and the guy forgets about him. He's got all kinds of people stacked up. If he wanted to, he could spend all his energy just spinning, <laughs> wishing evil and ill, and, and Ill on all of them. It's not what he does. And you're asking, well, fifth, you don't know anything about what he does because it's not what you just said and in the text. Oh, you got to come back. There's more. Oh, you better believe he forgives. You know why? Because he has an eternal perspective. He knows that somehow he's trusting that he's in God's big plan and purpose for his life. And even forgiveness is going to be a part of how he rolls throughout his entire life as a leader in Egypt of the people of Israel. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to remember what God has done for us. And we're going to forgive because we've first been forgiven with gratitude and release of bitterness. You and I have been loved. Look at this. You don't understand it. I don't understand it. How long, God? What is the meaning of this? That may be where you or somebody you care about is. But here's what is true. The character and love of God never go away. You Verse 21, the very first line I read out of chapter 39 of Genesis. Joseph found favor in the Lord, and the Lord blessed Joseph with chesed. It, it's Hebrew, it means his loving kindness. Joseph experienced God's loving kindness, 
even in the biggest, darkest place of his life, and now the second round of it. You've been forgiven. You've been loved. Don't hold in resentment with anybody else. Remember how God has been faithful to you, and then go and be an agent of that out in the world, a person who doesn't hold it against people but who releases it. I'll just remind you of what Jesus said at that last meal, Thursday night before he's executed. He took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. It's being broken for you. You're forgiven. Don't be bitter anymore. He said, remember also through this cup, my blood. Remember what I did for you. And then lead a life of newness, a better life, not a bitter life. You be a forgiven person who goes and forgives others. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we become living uh, delivery agents. We become representatives, operatives of the grace and goodness of God. Darkness, betrayal, unfair arrest, unjustness, notwithstanding. We see a bigger picture. We see from the eternal perspective that God is good. And in the end, we hang on. And God is going to make all things right again. The way we do this, friends, is you're going to, in a moment, just get up in the front rows, beginning with the front. You're going to come and you're going to take one of these. And everybody will get one. And then I will remind us again of the meaning of these. And we'll all take first the bread on the small side and then flip it over for the juice on the other. This is, this is grape juice, not wine. Come now, friends, as Kathy joins me here at the table. And do this. Remember God's goodness. Remember that you are forgiven. Become an agent of God's goodness, an agent of God's forgiveness in your relationships, in your world. Come now. of Jesus, an eternal certainty that you and I live a new and 
purpose to your life in Jesus. You'll find the little gray baskets in the foyer. Allow me to pray for us. Gracious God, we are your free people. You made us like you. And so freedom is a part of what it means to be human beings made in God's image. And you want us to treat each other that way. And then you give us responsibility. You give us authority. You make us stewards of your administration, your program, your mega plan, your mega purpose. We trust you. And then, gracious God, we become your operatives in the world. And then sometimes it just doesn't seem like anything is going right. So help us, God, if we're in a posture, a place of waiting where it looks dark all around us. Help us to remember the way you've been faithful, even at this table, remembering the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Gracious God, help us also then to forgive. We want to be better, not bitter. Thank you that when we trust you, when we look at life, our life in a daily and a weekly and every year, if we look at it from the perspective of forever with you, everything changes and we now are buoyed, we're shored up and we can get through it, not because of our strength, but because of you live inside us. We don't know necessarily what's going on with you, but we know you have a big plan and we want to be a part of it, even when we can't see how it could possibly be working. Thank you, gracious God, that we, your children, get to sing. We get to celebrate, we get to read, we get to listen. We get to do, we be brothers and sisters together and, and relate to each other with love and care and forgiveness. And we thank you, gracious God, that all this takes place because you are present with us. We celebrate in the name of Jesus, the King of the universe, to whom we serve as royal apprentices. Friends, let me ask you to stand right now. We're going to just redo a little bit of one of the pieces of music we've done. And I want you roaring out of here as free people loving people really well. i 